All right, all right, Faith Promise. Who's trying to be a church this weekend? Come on now. It is going to be an unbelievable day. Welcome to church. If you're a first-time guest, we are just honored that you're here. I'm so excited about what God's doing, not just in our church, but through our lives. I mean, there, there is so much transformation happening. I, I know a lot of people have been gone for fall break and just different travels and stuff like that, but I want to encourage you. If you missed last week's message, to go back and watch it. Uh, if you were here, maybe you know, you should probably go watch it again anyway. I really do believe it was a word from God for our church, uh, for our world. I know that I know that I know if you're a man of God or a woman of God, it was a word for you personally. And so uh, I, I just want to encourage you to go back and watch that. Maybe you've been gone recently. Maybe you went to the beach for fall break or something like that. Me and my family, we love, love the beach. I love going to the beach with my kids. Uh, they get a little wild at the beach. It's sweet uh, babies. My, my, my kids are at a good age where there's, you know, there's, there's less sand being eaten and more sand being played with, which is nice. But the most sand by far is in their butt cracks. Uh, can I get an amen, parents? I don't even know how they get that much in their swimsuits, right? If your kids are anything like mine, I don't know how there's any sand left in Florida. So to be totally transparent with you, right? Hey, most of us have been to the beach, and so, or you've seen it, or whatever. Let let your image of the beach really set in during this next story, because it really could have happened to any of us. In in April of 2020, there was a young lady named Jane Wilson who was an avid beachcomber, loved to look for stuff on the beach, and liked collecting she, uh, sea glass and stuff like that. And she often would look in the seashell beds as she walked, uh, just in case something caught her eye, just in case she saw something. And on this day, something did. On the Indian River Shore beach in Florida, uh, lying on top was something that looked like a plate. And so, I mean, maybe it was off an old Spanish ship or something like that. So she grabbed it. She's so excited. And she took it home, right? And for months, she would chip away barnacles and she shells and stuff that had crushed it. This thing is old, right? And so she's so excited. And when she's not working on it, she would leave it in a, like kind of a, like a lunchbox cooler full of salt water so it wouldn't dry out or anything like that. And then uh, a, a few months later, uh, Jane made a social media post and somebody in the comments or some, one of her friends said, hey, what's that behind you in the cooler in your living room floor? And that led to, you know, just people commenting and then a little bit of, of research. And then what they found is that Jane had been... Uh, this dissecting on a landmine for nine months. A live landmine is what she had been picking uh, barnacles and she shells off of. Can you imagine? I know that I can. Everything my kids find in the ocean, they think is treasure. I'm like, baby, that says Dasani on it. It's obviously garbage. No, Dad, these are from pirates. No, it's not, right? Um, but the danger that Jane was in, and the crazy part is she had no idea how much danger she was in. And if we're not careful, we can be in so much danger ourselves. So today, we're going to talk about one of the most explosive, yet one of the most disguised traps of the enemy that pulls us away from God's best, pulls us away from the impact that he has for us today. Here's my request, is that we are more intentional than ever to uncover the landmines that the enemy has placed in our minds that not only bring devastation to us 
and to those we love, but almost most importantly, the devastation it brings to those that we are supposed to love that we're not. So let's pray and ask God to lead this time. God, we come before you right now, and we just pray that you would highlight the landmines in our lives that the enemy is using. God, we want to be humble, so we come before you right now claiming 1 John 4.9. God, we want to confess our sins. You say if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So God, I repent right now of any pride or anger or greed or lust. And I just pray everybody, whether you're live or at a coffee shop or whatever at any church, that you just take a moment to repent and clean yourself and be humble and prepare for the Lord to transform us. God, we love you. Whatever you say, we will obey. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, hey, I want to welcome all of our churches across the state of Tennessee. God Behind Bars, we're thrilled that you're with us. If you're watching live, online, or later, we are so excited about the transformation coming in these next few moments together. So what is the landmine? What's the landmine the devil has placed all around our lives and around our world? Before I tell you what it is, I just want to be honest with you. I'm about 99% sure of this, that you have stepped on this landmine today. Not just that, but you stepped on it and you liked it. And you liked it. So I just want to tell you, I'm co we're coming after a sin today that you enjoy, okay? So we just need to be humble and we need some Jesus today. If the Holy Spirit doesn't put some gas in this message, it ain't going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? The, the messages that you know are for you, but they don't get past the car, okay? This is absolutely one of those. So just in a sign of humility, I just want us to say this together. It'll be on the screen, but let me say it, and we'll say it together. We're going to say, Holy Spirit, what you say, I will obey. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Holy Spirit, what you say, I will obey. One more time. Holy Spirit, what you say, I will obey. I'm telling you, the devil doesn't want us to get what we're going to talk about today, but we will get it. Before I say the landmine out loud, what I want to do is I want to read some of God's Word, and I'm going to ask, I've been asking the Holy Spirit to do some pre-work in our heart as we read God's Word. And, and while I prepare for the weekends, I pray and I imagine moments and just, and just pray that the Lord would move. And something I was praying for is that while we read this verse, the Holy Spirit would reveal to you what it is that we're going to talk about today. And so if you have your Bible or your phone, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. If you don't have your Bible, uh, the best Bible app that I use is Version Bible app. So go ahead and go to that in your Bible or on your phone. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 6. Now before I read that, those verses, let me highlight a theme in the book of Galatians or in the letter of Galatians. Something that Paul does as he's writing to the church in Galatia is that he hammers legalists in this, in this letter, in this book. And if you don't know what a legalist is, you've met them, right? It's the judger or maybe the goody-goody, the, the know-it-all. And if you haven't met one, it's you. You're who we're talking about, okay? Either way, we'll keep on going. But also, I just want to tell you, if you are a heathen, Galatians is a great book for you. Can I get an amen from any heathens at our campuses? Okay. All right. There's a couple of us that are honest, all right? So let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the landmine that is, ex that is devastating our eternal impact. So Galatians 6, starting in verse 1. 
Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Now there's a lot of traps in this passage that the enemy is trying to use to to pull us off uh, what, what God's plan is for us. But the foundational trap that we see that we're going to unearth today is the trap of comparison. Say comparison. Comparison, it is killing us. And remember, can we just be honest? I said that a lot of us, most of us have already stepped on this landmine at least once today. Will you be honest, at least with you? Have you on social media, at your home, in the lobby or the coffee shop where you're watching this? This landmine is blowing apart our kingdom impact and a lot of us don't even know it. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this passage and see how we can uncover, unearth the landmines of comparison instead of stepping all over them. Paul starts out hot in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says this, just, just, just so we can get in our hearts. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should judge that. No, wait, that's not what it says. It, you who live by the Spirit should gossip about. Nah, I can't be right. You who live by the Spirit should call them out. That's not what it says. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently but watch yourself or you may also be tempted that's a big deal for Paul but let me ask us how do we respond when someone is caught in sin when we see somebody we know somebody caught in sin how do we respond is our first thought to restore them or to judge them is our first thought to restore them or to look the other way? Is our first thought to restore them or to gossip about them to somebody else who saw it? Well, that word that says restore, the Greek word, I'm gonna put the Greek word on the screen and just, I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna grow today. So actually we're gonna learn a little bit of Greek. So on the count of three, I just want you to read that Greek word out loud. That, that K word, you all see it, right? Everybody sees it. So on the count of three, let's read that out loud together. You ready? One, two, three. Guys, y'all nailed it. This, listen, if you're ever preaching and you don't know how to pronounce a word, this is how you go about it. Y'all nailed it. Way to go, everybody. Okay? But this word, right, it means to put in order or to restore to its original form or condition. The Greeks would use this term specifically for setting a fractured bone or a dislocated joint. That's why the Greeks would use this, right? which Paul uses this intentionally. Paul is also one that, the one that gave us the analogy of the body of Christ. So what Paul's saying is that we can't ignore sin in somebody's life. We also do not get to judge sin in somebody's life. We are called to restore the person to what God has called them to. I don't know where we got off thinking that we should have a surgeon's scalpel and we should be amputating parts of the body that are fractured. 
If you came to me and you said, I've got this broken finger, and I said, well, let's just cut that bad boy off. Well, you don't want that. Well, it's, it's going to be messy to set it and restore it and put a cast on. Let's just snip, snip. No, restore it because it's healthier that way. We were meant to have it. It's better. I could be more useful. The same thing with the body of Christ, but it is a ploy of the enemy to get us comparing and cutting than having compassion and restoring. It's crazy how whenever people will step on a landmine in sin, or maybe they get divorced, or maybe they go, something happens, and too often Christians respond to them stepping in sin by us stepping in sin ourselves and comparing instead of having compassion. But we are the body of Christ. We should be out to restore, not to be better than somebody. You know, that would be so different in the world. We're not just supposed to restore it. We are supposed to restore people with gentleness. That's hard, isn't it? Being gentle is not hard. Gentleness, which is a fruit of the Spirit, is not celebrated in our world today. And I know it may be hard to act on, but that means it'll look so much different when the world sees us operating that way. But listen, we may wonder, how can we be more gentle? When the world isn't gentle and it's not celebrated, how can we be more gentle? I've got an idea how we can live with less comparison and more compassion. If we would have more introspection and less accusations. When we live remembering that we are a sinner saved by grace, it's way easier to give that grace freely, remembering that you received it freely. I heard it said this way recently, that we have a bad habit of judging ourselves on our intentions and everybody else on their action. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, I didn't mean to hurt their feelings. I was just, I was just in a hurry, so I posted or I said it. But the person reading, oh, I can't, I can't believe they did that on purpose. They knew what they were saying. You see how the enemy does that? Listen, Paul is begging us. That's why at the end of verse 1, he says, watch out. Or you will fall in temptation. He's telling the church at Galatia. He's telling Faith Promise. He's telling me and you personally to stay away from the landmine of comparison and to live with compassion. Listen, I'm telling you, we need to grow, myself included. We need to grow in a fear of the Lord. We will be held accountable one day for how we treat people, for every idle word we say, for the things we do and the things we don't do that we know that we're supposed to do. God is begging us to watch out for the temptation of comparison because it is devastating our eternal impact. The devil is so passionate that we live in comparison and not in compassion. Let me set it up this way. I really do. I pray that this really burns in your brain. If you're thinking about a landmine, landmine usually go on like a, uh, they, they go on like a boundary, right? Something that you want to keep somebody out of. Or maybe if somebody were to cross that line, you would want to know they crossed it. And so we, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to put a landmine down, you put it on an important boundary line or important border where people won't cross it, right? Well, the devil is using comparison to keep us from compassion. 
And so what he's done is all around us, he has set up these lines filled with landmines of comparison that are keeping us from compassion, which is Jesus's top priority. So we'll be sitting there thinking we see somebody and their marriage is falling apart. Oh my gosh, how heartbreaking for the kids and those people. But I knew it. I knew their marriage was good, too good to be true. God knew. I knew those posts were a lie. I, 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 just, I just knew it. Or we see somebody going bankrupt. We see that, oh my gosh, can you imagine the confusion, the challenge for those kids and for that family? But then we step on and say, gosh, I knew that's why they had a nicer car than me. I knew that's why they got to go on vacation when I didn't. Gosh, it kind of feels good that I'm a little bit better than them now. What? What? Outside of here, all this compassion and life change and salvation and, and transformation in people's lives. But the devil has us hemmed in by comparison. And it is just devastating. It is destroying our kingdom impact. But not only that, we see a generation who's watching us saying, God, they can't really mean that they follow Jesus. Right? And Paul keeps on going. And he tells us how to get past it. He tells us in Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. But can we, just, can we just be honest? Many of us are too busy judging other people's burdens to help them carry those burdens. That can't be us. Listen, listen, this, this is facts. You cannot bear other people's burdens if you need to be better than other people. If you need to be better than people, it's impossible to help bear their burdens. Listen, the, passion, the, the passage says that bearing each other's burdens fulfills the law of Christ. Now, that's very specific. What's happening here is Paul is, again, pushing against the legalists. He's pushing against the religious people who are all pointing their fingers and saying, oh, that person's not following the rules. Oh, that person's doing something wrong. Oh, that person's not being who they're supposed to be. And Paul reminds them that that is old religion that God hates. And he says, don't forget what the law, the command of Jesus is. And Jesus talks about in John 13, 34, Jesus said a new command. This is what Paul's referencing. A new command I give you that you are to love one another as I have loved you. Did Jesus love you with compassion or comparison? Compassion. Love others as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another if you love each other. Listen, this is what keeping Jesus' law looks like. It's not checking off all the boxes. It's not being perfect. It's loving people. And I bet if we live this way in a world that seems to be against Jesus, in a world where the Bible is showing up at hate speech, I believe people would be more interested in Jesus if they saw Jesus' followers following this command. Listen, let's not trigger payloads of judgment, but let's trigger loads of God's love and truth when we see people in pain. Now I'm going to skip ahead a little bit in this passage because there's a very specific moment that the Holy Spirit wants to have with us. But in Galatians 6, just let me read you verses 3 through 5 again. 
And it says, it says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to anyone else. For each one should carry their own load. Now, we see clearly here that pride is an issue in comparison. Last week, which was a huge week, last week we learned about offense. We said that pride trips the trap of offense every time, and that's so true. But we also see that pride is a big issue in comparison as well. It's massive. As I've read this and prayed and prepared, I really believe that pride precedes, propels, and prolongs comparison. It's what gets us to that point. It's what pushes us to do it. And then it's what keeps us in the trap of comparison. It's what pride does. So how we live without stepping on the landmine of comparison in a world that celebrates it, in a world that's really built for it with social media and HOAs and, and classrooms. It's, it really is built for it. How we live without stepping on it when it's everywhere we look, when it's everywhere we step. Here's, let me tell you the main thing. I'm going to tell us how. We are going to live with the end in mind. We are going to live with not the end of today, not the end of this sermon, the end of our life. We are going to live with that in mind. When we compare today with our eternal tomorrow, it changes what's important. This is how Paul, the guy that wrote Galatians, wrote 13 letters to churches that we have in our Bible as books of the Bible. He wrote another one in Romans chapter 8 when talking about this comparison. He says this in Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He, and listen, this guy didn't have like small, uh, small trials. Like he was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was without clothes. He was naked and hungry. This guy was put in binds. Yet he said, when I compared this with the glory of salvation and eternity with Jesus, it is nothing. When you look past the comparison of today and you step over into the compassion of eternity and salvation that's been given to us freely, it is easier to live with compassion and not comparison. And that's how we're called to live. Paul is asking the church at Galatia and he's asking us to live this way. And whenever you look at the end of that passage, sometimes we can confuse verse 2 and verse 5. And actually, if you just read it, you may even seem like they contradict each other, but they don't. And it's very powerful. We have to get this. In verse 2, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. We talked about that, carry each other's burdens. Yet in verse 5, it says, for each one of you should carry your own load. So what's the difference between other, others' burdens and our own load? Well, in verse 2, when it's talking about burdens, it's talking about, it's talking about something too heavy for you to carry on your own. It's talking about the weight of life and the weight of temptation, like a, like a depression or an anxiety, something, that, something that's too big that you're not supposed to own on your own. However, the word for load in verse 5, the, the, that word is most used when talking about a backpack. A backpack, something somebody carries. Now, if you have a backpack, by and large, you own 
the load, right? Like in, like in the airport, it says that if you see a bag unattended, please contact somebody. Somebody owns that bag. So Paul talks about in verse five, a load that we own, right? That there, there's something that Paul's discussing that we should not only own, but we should know that it is ours. Now, what could that be? Paul expounds on it a little bit more in one of his other letters to a church, a lot like Faith Promise, in Corinth. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we all, everybody who calls himself a Christ follower, really everybody is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due to us for the things we've done while in this body, whether good or bad. This is our load. This is what we are responsible for, how we love people, how we care for people, how we obey what God tells us. The load that we are to carry, that, that Paul talks about in Galatians 6, 5, what we are to carry, what we are responsible for is what God tells us to do, what he, what he will say will we obey. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, think about, when I think about staying before Jesus and giving an account for my life, it makes me reconsider how I am living, specifically towards comparison versus compassion. It really makes me stop and think, am I living with comparison or am I living with compassion? And listen, this doesn't just matter to me, this matters heavily to Jesus, when Jesus is teaching, he says this in Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. Jesus says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, man of God, woman of God, you will be judged with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow. So what is next? How do we obey something like that? What is next in our walk with God is to treat others with the same compassion we want from God, the same compassion we've already gotten from God. Hey, but this is the moment right here I've been praying for all week. Here's the moment right here I'm asking the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. Let me ask you a question. Do you want a judgment from Jesus based on comparison or based on compassion do you and I do we want a judgment from Jesus which we will all get do we want it based on the comparison of Jesus's perfection of the gifts he's given us and the grace or do we want one based on compassion do we want one based on the forgiveness and the patience Oh, Holy Spirit, I want one based on compassion. I need one based on compassion. What does that mean for how we view other people? Our who is next step from this revelation of comparison or compassion is we need to see everyone with the love and compassion of Jesus. Guys, one day we will stand before God and we will give an account for our load, our obedience. And I pray that we can at least stand and say, I wasn't perfect, Jesus. I missed it so much, but I lived with the same compassion you gave to me. Hey, church, I, I, ju I just think we need to repent. 
we're going to sing here in a second, and this is more than I usually ask. I believe most of us either need to come to the altar, kneel and repent, or we literally need to kneel at our chair if you're physically able and repent for living a life that looks a lot more like comparison than the compassion that we receive from Jesus. Listen, I want God's favor on this church. I want God's favor on your life. But I think it's a no-brainer. God will not put his favor at a compassionless church. Comparison is religion, and he hates it. Compassion is love, and it's what he showed us, and it's what he asked us to show the world. So at all of our camps, all of our churches, will you stand with me right now? I'm going to pray for us. And then I, I really do, I believe either the, the altars need to be filled at our churches or people need to be kneeling at their, we need to repent. We need to ask God for forgiveness and we need to tell him that we will obey. God, we come before you right now. God, and Holy Spirit, I believe you've convicted us. Holy Spirit, and we said at the beginning, Holy Spirit, what you say, I will obey. And so I pray that we would kneel as a physical expression of an internal humbling and that we would live with compassion and not comparison. That we would step over the landmine of comparison into a life of compassion and transformation. God, we are your kids and we, you are able to transform and restore and to send us out to win our world. But first, we must do our part and humble ourselves before the Lord and repent of comparison and ask for compassion to take to our world so we can win our world. In your name we pray, amen.